Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. As always, I am Chris, and I am here with Patrick. Hey. And it's just us today. It's just us. It's kind of sad. Kind of lonely in here. I mean, we watched a movie where there are nine lives today, and we're like seven lives short. Yeah, or, or maybe even more than that. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're both kind of living half lives today. Yeah. But, um... No, Stephen. Uh, Stephen can't can't make it this week. Um, so it's just going to be a good little, you know, what I call heads up uh, podcast, where it's just two of us. <laughs> Stephen was at awake and he violated some superstitions, and we're not sure what happened from there. He's uh, he he was going to be here on time, but he had to walk. He had, he couldn't go directly home from the lake, <laughs> so so he's walking around somewhere. And of course, if those those uh, references escape you, it's probably because you did not watch Pod. Pod nine lives the movie we watched this week from the philippines uh but before we start discussing that uh you know we like to talk about what else has been going on in our lives especially as relates to horror media consumption um not a lot to report from me but what have you been up to patrick i've been up to a few things uh i'll keep it quick but I have been really enjoying watching Garth Marenghi's Dark Place on Amazon Prime. Uh, It stars Matt Berry from What We Do in the Shadows. So if you're a fan of What We Do in the Shadows, uh, the TV show, this should be right up your alley. It's presented as this 80s sort of sci-fi horror slash medical drama TV show that's just terribly produced on every level, intentionally so, of course, on the uh, creative team's behalf. And it's all presented as if it's this insane product of the mind of this fictional horror writer, Garth Marenghi. It's very funny just in how intentionally inept it is from top to bottom. And, you know, just just truly truly delightful i uh, actually had a former co-worker who was obsessed with garth merengue's dark place and recommended it to me one of the weirdest individuals i have ever known um and i've been fascinated with the idea since then never seen it maybe i should now that it's streaming you definitely should it's super easy super quick watch uh six episodes 30 minutes a piece so you can knock it out really fast that's it's- it yeah, Only six it. episodes? That's it, man. Yeah. Oh, all that's right. it. Also stars Richard Ayoade, who is incredible as well. If you like horror, if you have an appreciation for filmmaking and snarky sort of subversive comedy, you know, probably up your alley. Is that a British show? Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the whole cast is British. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. All right. What else have you been up to? Um, also, uh, have been reading uh, the works of Julia Groferer over the last uh, few months. She's a graphic novelist and just makes extraordinary, unnerving, unsettling little horror short stories, often period pieces, um, often with uh, feminist subtext to them, often with a little bit of dark humor. She has a very bleak view of the world and her storytelling is just fascinating and memorable every one of her books that i've read so far i kind of go 
back and reread afterwards to catch little things that I may have missed the first time around because it's you know, very intense, subtle, kind of layered storytelling. Recently read her book, Laid Waste, and really enjoyed that. So check out Julia Groferrer. That's spelled G-F-R-O-R-E-R. How and lastly, you- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was going to say, how did you discover this this person? Um, I think honestly, just on the recommended, like the staff picks shelf at my local comic shop, Vault of Midnight, they're on top of all the good shit in the comic book world. And uh, yeah, just her stuff caught my eye. She has this very sort of like anxious ink line to her work. Um, and it just immediately drew me in. I've been wondering that because it's like every week you have some new book or new artist or something that you've discovered. How does one tap? How does one learn this power? You (laughs) (laughs) You just, you just have a good comic store employees in your life who, you know, share your tastes or even in some cases know your taste. Sometimes they're just like, you need to check out this. This one I think was just on the staff pick shelf though. Nice. Yeah. And speaking of comics, I'll throw in a final plug. That's completely unrelated to horror if you just can't get enough of the amon crew specifically me talking about bullshit that i like uh check out the podcast gray malkin lane as a few of you may know i uh i'm a huge x-men nerd and have an ongoing diary of my journey through reading every x-men comic ever going on at the instagram account never-ending x-men and i was recently invited to be on gray malkin lane the podcast for an episode in which we uh, put charles xavier professor x on trial for his many uh misdeeds morally ambiguous uh decisions that he's made throughout his publication history it's a really fun panel discussion kind of thing it's way longer than it should be but uh if you're into professor x go listen to me and a bunch of other really smart really fun people nerd out about it and uh find out what we end up deciding as far as just how evil the guy is i'm not that into x-men but i am into courtroom dramas um would i appreciate it i think you might because there's some 12 angry men kind of stuff going on where i thought i felt one way about xavier and then listening to the rest of the jury kind of made me go you know what you have a point there he he might not be as bad as i thought he was or on the other side of the scale you know he might not be quite the uh savior of mutant kind that i thought he was that that's given me flashbacks to when i had jury duty which was (laughs) one of one of the biggest real life horror experiences in my life oh god Um, but uh, you know what? I think we missed, speaking of comics, I think we missed some Spawn news as non-news. Oh, we did. Yeah, there's a, there's a writer for the Spawn movie now, right? A new writer? Well, I was thinking about, we, we, actually, we actually hit the pavement and we, we sought out some Spawn news at Motor City Nightmares. <laughs> I wasn't there, but you and Steven were. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say that was all... Steven and I got some very inside baseball kind of talk about Spawn and our Todd father, Todd McFarlane. Uh, But I want to say it was all very what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And I'm not going to share those details on the show. However, you know, Chris, I'm sure you can back me up that it was um, it was juicy. It was amusing. And if you're an Amon fan out there, whoever happens to meet us at a con or run into one of us in real life, ask us for the dirt. 
will will share. But I'm I mean, not I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spell that on air. But we don't need to spell it. But but suffice to say, you know, we 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 saw we you we meaning you uh, uh, met a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who in t- in in tone that that maybe uh, this is never gonna happen. The new Spawn movie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I, why spawn news is not news <laughs> i can neither confirm nor deny what conversation i had about that okay i mean that's the non-news this the spawn news is that there's actually a writer for the spawn movie now i think right wasn't that the, the little news bite that we did actually dig up this week i i can't curate that i i, I don't know <laughs> spawn news goes in one ha- one ear not the other for me yeah well g- google that google that all right so uh, with that, I guess we'll move on to our, our main attraction here. Uh, Pog Pog Nine Lives, a Filipino film. This is a, a movie chosen by the Wheel of Death quite at random. And, you know, there's there. it seems like the Netflix catalog is increasingly filled with foreign films. Hmm. Not that that's a problem. I, I think that was kind of a surprise when we started our journey that we were uh, encountering as many foreign films as we were but now if when i look at the catalog it seems like every other every third movie is a is a foreign film so well and it makes me it sort of makes me wonder too you know i mean i think it's great obviously that netflix is building out that selection but it also makes me wonder you know if, if you're a filipino viewer in the u.s you know what's out there are you excited at all by the selection of filipino films that's available to you is it just the bottom of the barrel? Is it a fairly average representation of, you know, your your country's cinematic output? I'm just curious how this stuff actually plays to the, I guess, intended audience. Yeah, um, I, I know I did research and see that this was actually one of the like highest grossing Filipino movies in the year oh. it came out. Um, so it's it's not bottom of the barrel. That said, I don't really know how mature the Filipino film industry is. I know um, right. uh, I've actually spent a little bit of time in the Philippines. I had a friend who lived there for a few years, and you know they're watching Star Wars in in the cinema. Mm-hmm. You know they're watching American movies, and you can go to on the street and you can get a bootleg DVD of a new release. In my case, it was Unfriended um, <laughs> for. A dollar or less. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say, based on the quality of Pog Pog Nine Lives, that the Filipino film industry is at least more robust uh, and mature than the Emirati film industry. (laughs) At first glance, anyway. Um, So, yeah, so this is a movie. It's about... uh, It takes its title uh, from a uh, Filipino word. Uh, It actually has two meanings. One is, I guess, like scavenged food that that, uh, poor people in the Philippines will will, uh, scavenge and reuse from dumpsters and things like that. But it also literally means to shake off the dust or dirt. So the reason they use that for leftover food is uh, obvious. But I guess there's a superstition where if you go to a funeral if you don't dust yourself off and or if you walk directly home from the funeral it's bad luck the the souls of the dead uh might just follow you that's kind of what we get here in this movie with a there's an inciting incident that or a uh, there's a cold open that's not really connected to the rest of the movie in which a, a woman goes to her dead boyfriend's funeral the boyfriend has commit suicide i uh, uh seemingly because 
of a dispute they had or a breakup they had and she goes home and you know someone she's living with is like did you do the pog pog and she's like i don't believe in that stuff and then you see like the ghost of her dead boyfriend in the room and she's like ah <laughs> well yeah and i mean this is the first of multiple pretty bad shit moments in this movie she's looking at her the a picture of herself and the deceased boyfriend uh and then notices hears senses some sort of spectral presence in the room behind her turns around and then the 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 picture has been cracked in the frame and the boyfriend's expression is turned from a smile to a frown then she looks up and like the i guess spectral presence of his corpse is all of a sudden hanging from the ceiling behind her by a rope it's a very over the top opening to the movie and i didn't really see any of it coming and it kind of made me go i you know i mean as much as a reenactment of i guess a suicide in the first five minutes of a movie uh goes i greatly enjoyed it yeah i liked it too and you know it doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the movie but i was thinking about that like i assume that you know a lot of people in the philippines are familiar with this you know pog pog superstition so it's like if you were making a movie about the ouija board or something in america you might start with just kind of a cold open or, or bloody mary let's say you might start with some girls playing bloody mary on a sleepover and then you know the mirror shatters and the ghost comes out of the mirror and they're like ah but that's probably not gonna be your whole movie the whole movie is gonna be like oh we gotta solve the mystery of of mary fear who <laughs> you know that kind of thing um yeah. so, so 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 the bulk of this movie is a little more fleshed out than that basically there's kind of two parallel groups of of protagonists that that meet up one is this boy named cedric cedric Yes. And uh, he is kind of, would you agree that he's kind of a piece of shit? Cedric is a fucking douchebag. <laughs> Cedric is my number one problem with this movie because he is a piece of shit until about halfway through when all of a sudden he kind of turns into our hero because basically he needs to be. There's no real motivation for him to do so. And honestly, Cedric may have been my biggest problem with this production. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get into all that, but, yeah. but Cedric is a, is a young man who has a group of friends, um, and you know they're just doing teenager stuff. They just hang out. They're having a good time. Um, there's some you know some they have some issues which we'll we'll probably talk about. And then we have uh, our other hero Lenny, who with her uh, family runs a funeral parlor, and they're and also pat- a soup business. Oh yeah, yeah. They've they, got they have, they've got multiple hustles. They got a side hustle or two. They do. They sell like street food in the front, funeral parlor in the back, <laughs> like something you do. like that. Um, and their their paths meet when you know Cedric and his friends are end up like driving all night, and they arrive at the funeral home just as Lenny is receiving the corpse of one Roman. That's his name, Roman, whose wife has brought him in. It's it's a horribly scarred body, and they either deliberately or accidentally transgress the norms. They they uh, violate the superstitions of visiting a wake or running the wake, and then when they go home, they realize, of course, not doing the pog pog. They go directly home. 
they start to be picked off one by one by some sort of dark spirit. And it's up to these kids to figure out what the hell is going on and stop the curse, make atones for their, their breach of the, supersti- of the superstition before they all die. Um, there's a lot more to it than that, but this, this has so many twists and turns. Uh, I, it, I, it kept me guessing the whole, just, you know, I thought this is a, it, it, like, like, I think when we, we talked about this, uh, how we were going to watch this movie last time, Steven was like, you know, that's not an unfamiliar story. Like teenagers <laughs> being haunted by a dark spirit. Yeah. Um, and it, I went into this expecting a very simple story, kind of like uh, Kuntilana or something. Um, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of, uh, subplots to this. There's a lot of, uh, uh, surprises. Um, yeah. it's, it's definitely more complicated than I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, you were saying earlier there are like some 1920 London Fear Strikes Again level twists here. And I I don't know if I would have said that initially, yeah. but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, absolutely. Like, there are some jaw droppers in this. And, and they work, basically. I mean, they're not just stupid. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, before we even get to any twists, I would say this does a decent job of setting up a number of characters who I cared about more than I expected to, I guess, again, because we all probably had to some degree that same expectation that Steven did where it's like, okay, yeah, this is another one of those movies, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, Cedric certainly registers as a character. I mean, uh, I've already, I've already made my views on Cedric known. Yeah. Yeah, He's, he certainly comes across. Lenny, I really enjoyed as a character. She comes, she comes across so strongly immediately. Cedric almost runs her over with his car twice, and she chews him out. Uh, she seems very capable, feels like a real person, decently written, nicely performed. There's a charming little chubby younger brother of hers named Mock Mock, who never speaks, but is always drawing cryptic pictures. Yeah, it's, you know, something about these horror movies, particularly these foreign horror movies, is like, what if there was a child who never spoke? <laughs> like, like um, Sinister Circle did the same thing, I remember, oh. right? Or it's like, this, this child never speaks, and it's like the greatest horror they can think of. But I'm like, <laughs> I don't want that child to speak. There's, there's nothing this child has to say that I'm interested in. <laughs> Uh, but he's cute. He is cute. He's cute. Um, and, and in peril constantly. And he gets even more cute when he cries and screams. So mm-hmm. We've got, uh, is it Lucy Roman's uh, widow? Is that her name? Yes, I think so. Yep. You know, Roman's, she's... Roman's widow, Lucy. Sh- she's kind of a compelling, as, as I think you said, mysterious figure. We've got Ava, who is this older woman who's always hanging out at the funeral parlor and seems to be associated with this death in some way and is very superstitious. Um, I don't it's, know. It's, that, it's a relative of Lucy. Um, yeah. We know that. But she's like, yeah, she's the one who shows up and she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't sweep the floor before a wake. Right. <laughs> right. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> right. I um, mean, you know, none of it is like uh, the most compelling characters that you've ever seen. But, you know, there, there's a decent set of characters where I was like, I know these people. I know who they are. They seem relatively real and, and like a, a cut above the several 
you know, sort of teenage cannon fodder people who also exist in this movie. Cause there are plenty of those as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and you know, they have, they, a lot of them like, you know, have foils, they play off each other. Like Lenny is constantly kind of at odds with, um, I think her uncle and mm-hmm. at least one of them's an uncle and one of them's a relative or a friend or something, but they run the funeral parlor with her. They're always drunk. They're kind of comic relief characters. And she's always like, come on guys, we're supposed to embalm the body now. And they're like, ah, but we're drinking. And then, mm-hmm. So that's cute. You have um, the the girlfriend of Cedric, who oh, is yeah, yeah who has, has her heart just stepped on by Cedric multiple times and becomes sympathetic for that reason because she's like, Are, aren't we in love? And he's like, I told you, I'm not a man about commitments and stuff. Just like, oh my god, what well, a piece of shit. <laughs> well, and that's one of those interesting. Uh, you know, this is one of those movies where uh, sentences, phrases, words of English are interspersed with the Filipino on a regular basis, and maybe you can speak to uh, how much that's a you know a regular occurrence when you were in the Philippines, Chris. But it was interesting to me, as it is in like a lot of the Bollywood films, which English words end up coming through as English. And one of them was exclusive. He kept saying, you know, we're not exclusive, but just the word exclusive, he would say in English. Hmm. Interesting. I, I can't speak to that that specifically, but um, I mean, English is like the second official language of the Philippines. There's a lot of language. Like mm. the, the Philippines, people have to understand it's like 10,000 islands. Oh, so yeah. it's very hard to make any broad statement about the Philippines as a country because it's mm. so culturally diverse um, between the, you know, the thousands of islands. Um, but I did notice that Cedric and especially his father use a lot of English. And, you know, we meet his father in like one scene. And he's like, I told you, you're never going to amount to anything uh, if, if you don't get, keep your temper under control. And he, you can tell he's like, you know, a business person, kind of wants his son to be a business person. And so I think that maybe the father uses English more in the home, uh, you know, as a class signifier and to, to encourage this kid to use English and become like an international businessman. Well, the father clearly loves a good class signifier because he lives in a fucking mansion with a water feature next to the stairs there's just a fucking like waterfall next to the do you notice that i i think so yeah yeah that was that was nuts yeah these are the very ostentatious houses in this movie yeah Um, but yeah, but yeah, even even the sort of you know cannon fodder characters often have a detail. There, there's one girl who uh, I guess her characteristic is that she's vain, which could be boring except like we see her in her bedroom and she has like 15 selfies of herself framed on the wall <laughs> above her bed that are all like very similar <laughs> selfies i thought that was hilarious yeah uh, it yeah. was also funny i mean i guess this is the the second x-men reference of the day but cedric's bedroom is just filled with wolverine memorabilia he has a wolverine poster on either side of his bed yeah yeah um so all, all good stuff lots of lots of little fun details but yeah, it's it's. I was surprised at how you know once it, it does take a while to get going. I think it takes a long time to kind of set up the characters and get them in the same place at the same time. As you said, Cedric almost hits Lenny, you know, two or three times with his car <laughs> um, and to, as a meet meet cute. Yeah, their meet cute is him almost running her over. Like yeah. there's, I mean, as the Netflix subtitles say, romantic music plays as she's like chewing him out, and he's just being an absolute dick to her. Like there's nothing charming about either of the the two times that he almost hits her with his car and yet these two end up becoming a, an item 
over the course of the film. I thought that was a little silly. A little silly. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of that. And But then... You know, I was surprised at how much this movie kind of went into a slasher movie kind of formula where you have a big section of the movie where there's these teenagers, they get separated, they get, you know, spooked, they get chased, they get killed and pretty creative kills that would be at home in any of the slasher franchises that we're familiar with. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were there were numerous sequences in this movie where I laughed loudly like i guffawed in enjoyment not with like derision for the film but i was just like that just happened you know yeah yeah and even stuff where it's like i like the continuity isn't always there in a a delightful way like there's the one kill where like the because because the thing that's doing the killing for the most part is sort of this this nebulous demonic entity that kind of becomes a monster and we learn more about what or who it is later um but like he's killing the one girl and like there's a close up of him like gouging her eyes out with his thumbs but then like in the shot before the shot after he's just like holding her by the shoulders and like throwing her into the swimming pool and stuff. <laughs> yes. It's like they just kind of threw everything at the screen uh, for for these kills. But that was really that was really the thing I liked the most about this movie. And I I I guess if I have a complaint it's that it just there wasn't enough of it um you know it's it's kind of a long movie a lot of it is kind of boring uh when it goes for it it's fantastic uh but you know you still get that kind of low budget horror thing where people do a lot of standing around mhm yeah it has a bit of a it has a bit of a b movie feel to it i think my favorite kill was when ashley who if i remember correctly is the vain girl you were just talking about with the selfies is being pursued through her her house she's in her bedroom on the second floor and the the vengeful spirit monster thing is pursuing her and she's at the top of the stairs you know you absolutely know she's gonna get knocked off the stairs and fall to her death off the stairs but it all plays out in such an unexpected hilarious and over-the-top way you know because normally what happens is someone crashes into a banister smashes through and falls down right we've seen that in a million movies this woman flips over the banister and crashes to the floor is not dead then but then a chandelier just happens to fall and impale her after she's fallen over the stairs. Yeah. That that was a double guffaw moment for me. That was a, a delight. Yeah, yeah. They they really had some fun with this stuff. Yeah, um, and it's fun. And and the the design of the monster I thought was highly amusing too. Mm. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much we can talk about it without getting into spoilers, but just this, mm. uh, I thought it was a it was a visual feast <laughs> to look at this monster in all of his forms. <laughs> You know, another kill scene that I enjoyed was uh, the shower scene, which had some odd, like, sort of homophobic content in it. One boy is accusing the other one of being gay or something. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, now that you mention it. Yeah, yeah, being gay for Cedric or something. I don't know. It was sort of yeah because at this point everyone thinks cedric's like a murderer because because cedric's already like murderer adjacent in his everyday life right and then like you know two or three people (laughs) around him die right and and so yeah the the one uh friend is like why are you standing up for cedric you know you have a crush on him and there's some you know anti-gay uh dialogue in there but yeah um, 
But the, the one kid who's been engaged in this conversation hits the showers at the, at the gym and ends up being bludgeoned by, is it the shower head? I think. I don't know. It was almost like something shot out of the shower head and, and hit him in the head, but I I couldn't really figure out what it was. It was a little abstract for me. Anyway, he's wounded. And the innovative and memorable thing about this scene to me was he ends up opening the shower door and like crawling out to try and get to the the bench where his stuff is. And there was a POV shot for a moment where they smeared some like blood over a piece of plexiglass in front of the camera. So it was like you were seeing it from his perspective, trying to wipe blood out of his eyes. And I was like, Okay, that's cool. I haven't seen sure. that before. You know, I like sure. that. Except for in in James Bond. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you see the does blood. that happen? Well, no. It's, oh, you mean oh, when, yeah, he shoots, yeah. when he shoots you, and the blood <laughs> right. comes down over the screen. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, again, I don't, I don't know. I guess I was sort of pleasantly surprised just that this movie did a lot more than it really needed to do. I guess you know you could have been. They, the, the, the filmmakers could have been there just going through the motions, making a turn of the crank movie. But I had the sense of, you know, if not necessarily like brilliant, masterful filmmakers, people who actually cared and wanted to do something fun and unique, you know? Yeah. And, and we're kind of gritting on a curve because we've seen so many movies that are just, you know, don't have any inspiration behind them. Yeah, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's it's so so it is. Even though this like, it's when you say it goes above and beyond, like it it doesn't really go above and beyond. It just <laughs> does what it should do. If you're making a movie, you should have some scenes where you actually cared about what you're doing a little bit. But we're we're used to seeing a lot of movies where people don't feel that way. Well, what I'm saying is it goes above and beyond the bare minimum that would be needed to make a movie. You know, yeah, like you sure. can you can make. We've seen a lot of movies. We've seen a lot of cases where people have made a movie it's there there's a story that's at least somewhat discernible but you there's there's no characters you'll remember or care about or that anyone put any effort into there's there's nothing memorable about it at the very least they went above and beyond the the bare minimum expectations to try and do something a bit special Mm -hmm. and every spooky scene is fun or memorable in some way i think Mm mm-hmm I think, you know, to the extent that I didn't enjoy the movie, it's just because, again, kind of signal to noise and the the amount of screen time that's spent on that spooky stuff doesn't quite justify watching the rest of the movie, really. Um, yeah, I, I did break this up into chunks, largely by necessity, because I was doing a bunch of Sunday afternoon errands yesterday, and I watched this in, you know, probably some 20, 15, 20, 30-minute chunks, and it probably benefited from that. I, I may have gotten bogged down in it the same way you did if I just sat there for the entire hour and 46 minutes. And I always like a movie or a show or something that, that introduces me to a new superstition. I, I don't, even if it's not a real-world superstition, like just that something that hangs the action on something interesting that I haven't seen before. Like, you know, the whole idea that like, oh... Don't go directly home after a funeral. That's bad luck. Well, and I was going to you know? say, you boy, did you get your money's worth out of this one? Because like these kids go into the the funeral parlor and violate literally, you know, nine different superstitions in fucking two minutes of, <laughs> right. of screen time. <laughs> yeah, it's like don't sweep the floor of the funeral before awake. Uh, don't, don't cry look in the, the coffin. Mirror. Don't cry in the coffin. Don't take food home from the wake. Don't take um, money home from the wake. Don't which take I mean, money home from, yeah. Really, we, we all probably could have 
you know, figure that one out. Don't wipe the coffin with the handkerchief. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Cedric, because he, he gets hit with that rock, don't attend the funeral with a wound. Right. It's interesting because when you list these off, some of them have pretty obvious, like, reasons why those are mores in the Philippines or, or in any society. It's like, you know, yeah, you probably don't want people attending a funeral if they have, like, a open wound. It, it could be bad for, like, you know public health <laughs> probably yeah, yeah. <laughs> um anyway but yeah interesting i mean stuff. all these kids they're 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 nine kids right they're uh, so, yeah well there's i think there's more than that are there i don't know Cause, there's, cause there's we, we we know we're taking nine lives and there's right. more people than just the kids who come uh under the gun right yeah there there are nine different transgressions and the vengeful spirit is out to punish them all out to punish them all. You know, I like, um, there's an episode of Colt Jack, the Night Stalker that I really like mm-hmm. for the sole reason that it starts with, um, the, I think the premise of the episode is that there's a man who becomes possessed by basically a dead guy. Um, but the way he gets possessed is he makes a left turn in front of the guy's funeral procession and cuts off the hearse. Oh. And like the hearse slams on its brakes, but I guess it's implied that the spirit kept going. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that. I, I've always liked that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we should probably review it and then get to the spoiler room, because if you think we've explained the movie, you got another thing coming. Mm, mm, we got some some J-sized twists coming for you. Maybe so, not J-sized, but, but J-adjacent. J-adjacent. <laughs> so, Chris, would you view it, cue it, or screw it? I'm going to give it a cue it kind of a low cue it again we're we're, we're grading that curve i feel like uh because we've just seen so many demoralizing movies that anything <laughs> that anything that turns the dial or has some imagination in it just you're, you're like oh god this is such a breath of fresh air um you know if you if it's in your queue should you ever watch it will you ever watch it i don't know but i gotta give credit where it's due uh in terms of all the horror in this movie like i said i thought it was really fun to watch Lots of fun stuff I hadn't seen before. Enough plot, enough twists that I'm really excited to talk about them in the spoiler room. Um, and that's got to count for something. So, cue it. Patrick? Um, I'm going to give it a cue it to, I guess, for a little bit of flavor. Uh, I will give it a high cue it. I found it quite enjoyable. There's, there's almost nothing that I can truly count as like a strike against it where, where I would tell someone not to watch it but also i guess it didn't quite blow my mind enough to give it that resounding view it i had fun with it 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 surprised me pleasantly and uh yeah if you're looking for something a little different check it out yeah i think the the main fault of the movie for me was just kind of the pacing yeah kind of drags a lot for me in some spots yeah definitely could could have tightened it up i mean there's probably almost no movie no actually never mind i take that back i was i was i was gonna say there's probably almost no movie that wouldn't benefit from being cut to 90 minutes but then i just thought of all the really long movies that people hate and i love <laughs> like the irishman don't cut the irishman to 90 minutes just You'll take off to that last half just take out that last hour of the irishman that was that was useless and dumb and boring oh yeah yeah <laughs> that served no purpose <laughs> that was my uh, least favorite part of the irishman <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all right. We're trolling. Uh, we're trolling. Yeah, we're trolling. I was going to say, should we clarify we're joking about that? No, that's... that's we we that's, probably should, because otherwise people will be like, oh, that was a great take on the Irishman. I agree. People are going to be... Our th- fans are my, better than that, though. That's my indicator. That's like my barometer for if I'm talking to someone who is a, a victim of toxic masculinity. If, I, if I'm talking to a man who's like... That last hour of the Irishman was boring. I'm like, oh, you. There's a part of you that's dead inside. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I, I've definitely spoken to people of both genders who hold that view. Um, so I don't know. Oh well. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll head down to the spoiler room. In the meantime, though, if you want to check us out online. You should do that. Every horror movie on Netflix.com or at Amoncast, E H M O N Cast, on the usual platforms Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can reach out to us there. Let us know what you thought of Pog Pog Nine Lives. Um, you know, we love to hear from you. And don't forget to rate us or review us on your podcast service of choice. Helps the show immensely. I was going to try and make a joke about Nine Lives, but I can't. There's nothing there. <laughs> Oh, I'm so curious to know what that would have been. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we can go down to the spoiler room now, and uh, we will tell you all about those nine lives, what they mean, what they do. Um, So go watch the movie for yourself or stick around, and we will see you down there in just a second. Welcome back. We're down here in the spoiler room getting ready to spoil everything about Pog Pog Nine Lives. And, and the, the biggest spoiler for me was that there's no is Pog Pog is not the name of a cat. And I'm I'm very disappointed. <laughs> a cat? Yeah, I saw nine lives and I thought this was gonna oh, be about a cat. Right, 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 right. No. But I don't even know where I'm to sorry. begin. Where to begin with the spoilers here? Oh my god, there's so much. I mean so okay, I'm I'm gonna attempt to start from what I think is the beginning. Yeah, the, the beginning of the chronology here. Right. I think the first thing we find out, if I remember correctly, is that Ava, the superstitious woman of indeterminate relation to Lucy and Roman, is actually... Wait, what is her relation? I forget she's, now. She's Lucy's sister. I don't she's know if that's a surprise. That's it was right. unclear to me until later on in the movie, but I don't know if they hold that back. It might have just been I, I felt unclear. like they did, because I, I felt like I was constantly questioning, like, why is this old woman, I mean, not old woman, but older woman, whatever, hanging around, like, always, always having these issues with what's going on. It turns out she's Lucy's sister. I think it's a red herring. I think I think they want us to think that she is a witch or something because she's yeah. super concerned with with superstition and tradition. Oh, and, and at a certain point in the movie, the, the our main characters think she is. You yeah. know, they're like, you know, get away from me, witch! People make oh, the right. sign right, of the right, cross right. at her and stuff. And Lucy is the Lucy Romans the the deceased Romans widow is um is very chill by comparison. She's like, oh, you know, relax. Yeah, we're just like having a little funeral. Yeah. But it turns out Lucy is not so innocent. Not so innocent. So early in the film, Lucy tells a version 
of what has happened. The original story that Lucy tells, the widow, when she brings Roman in, is that, you know, they there was a house fire, that she's pregnant, that this guy, Roman, got burned in a house fire. Because he's, he's horribly burned, and you don't see him clearly at first in the casket, but that stuck out to me because, like, Lenny's taking care of the body, and she's like... We, we fixed them all up. It just looks like he's sleeping. But in the background, you can see like horrible scars all over the guy. That they don't really explain. But he apparently. All right. Because they specifically note that they did not embalm the body. Right. And so Roman, apparently, according to Lucy, was burned horribly in a house fire. And for the last like six or seven years has been dealing with complications from being horribly burned, which ultimately turned into skin cancer, of all things, which killed him. Well, and from losing a child. She's just like, you know, we've had a really hard time. They lost a baby. They had this house fire. Roman went through all this shit. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they ever... Because there's a time gap here that's kind of weird. So in the true story of events, there's a, like a whole bunch of years of unaccounted time where maybe, I guess, Roman did survive the fire and get cancer i don't know but we find out from one of lenny's funeral home friends who somehow finds this out like on the street or he knows it as an urban legend he's like no 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 saw it on reddit saw it on reddit he says here's what here's what happened roman and his wife their their kid died their toddler died so roman went and baby baby it was an infant man yeah it was a baby it was a it was a baby it was babby you're right infant infant child died so roman decided to go make a deal with the devil which is always so easy to in these movies to make a deal with the <laughs> just devil. call up the devil be like yo i I've got a proposition make, for you <laughs> i've been trying to make a deal with the devil i can't find him is there an app do i have to find the right doll in my backyard yeah it's called the devil <laughs> yeah i guess so anyway so Roman basically made a deal where if he takes nine lives, he gets his baby back. So Roman, before the events of this movie, roamed the countryside murdering people until he killed nine people. And then his baby came back to life as if by a miracle. But the townspeople didn't like that too much. So they came and they burned down their house, killing Roman. And uh, apparently the baby in the process and Lucy was like the sole survivor. Again, there's a weird time gap where like this was years ago, so Roman maybe was just burned but still alive until recently. Hard to say. So that's like twist number one, sort that's of. That's twist number one. <laughs> that, that's what's going on with Roman, and that explains why he's burned. Twist number two is that Mock Mock, the, the chubby kid, the, the chubby, kid. the chubby mute artist, is actually Lucy and Roman's kid who died and then came back from the dead after Roman killed nine people. Right. So Mock Mock, also known as Emmanuel, the, the name he had was given by Roman and Lucy, was an infant, died, came back to life because of the deal from with the devil, and then was abandoned or presumed dead by Lucy and Roman in the house fire showed up at a church with burns on his back, but otherwise fine, and well, got a... Well, and specifically, Ava rescued him from the fire. Oh, right. Ava did. That's right. The and sister did. And we get did. one of my most amazing jaw-dropper batshit shots in this movie is when Ava is relating this, and they flash back to it, and they show her holding baby Mock Mock slash Emmanuel, and then there's this fade where they, like, superimpose a stained glass 
image of the of Mary and Je- of Mary holding baby Jesus, and it's perfectly <laughs> superimposed over Ava and Mock Mock. I lost my shit in that moment. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so yeah, Mock Mock has now been adopted into Lenny's family by Lenny's like now deceased parents. Um, and you know, he never speaks, so he couldn't tell anyone. I, he wouldn't know anyway, cause he was an infant. I don't know why he never speaks in this movie. It uh, yeah. Really it's never sense. really revealed why he's mute other than that. He needs to be for purposes of the plot. I but don't we- even know if he needs to be for purposes of the plot. I, yeah, actually, that's true, because I guess it's not like he'd be like, oh, I remember the fire when I was, you know, one month old. We right, find um, we find this out, though, because he still has a scar on his back from the burns he sustained in the fire. Well, you know, I was worried. Uh, he Obviously, he starts talking at the end of the movie, but he doesn't have a lot to say. He's just like, oh, Lenny, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I assumed that they were setting that up so that, like, at a climactic moment... Mock Mock could be like daddy or something to, to, to Roman or something. And, and I'm so glad that they didn't do that because like, I thought that he was going to save the day by like identifying as the infant who was given up, mm. but they never do that. So I'm like, that's good because he's, he's, he has a family now he's been adopted. He does not ha- much like uh, in the rise of Skywalker. He, <laughs> he has no, you know, his, his adopted family is his family. It's not like, he, it's yeah. not like him talking and saying daddy would be a catharsis of anything um but anyway yeah so that's that's twist number two that mock mock is actually the infant son of roman brought back from the dead mm-hmm. um is he immortal who knows maybe who Let's knows we'll have find to out. find out in pog pog 10 lives yeah but the third twist the is third twist <laughs> the, maybe it, the biggest of them all <laughs> is that the vengeful spirit monster thing that's been stalking the kids for the whole movie is in fact roman because we've seen this thing's face a few times it's fucked up it's super burned way more burned than roman's face was in real life but whatever it it becomes clear that it's roman but why how we don't really know we know that roman was a murderer who made a deal with the devil and is now dead but yeah roman's back as a spirit apparently trying to he's back on his bullshit trying to take nine lives in order to come back to life himself right he's trying to repeat basically the thing that he did the first time he's not just worried about cleaning up after people who have violated wake mores he's trying to claim another nine lives so that he can reincarnate yeah because the kids like you know they do the right things like the two kids are like all right so we you know we did this we like you know walked backwards from from the cemetery back to the house we burned all our clothes we we drank the holy water we did whatever they're supposed to do to cleanse themselves and atone for the what they did at the funeral home they still get killed because roman is just trying to take nine lives mm-hmm. and and he gets them he gets his nine lives some 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 loose loose accounting there he ends up um i think inadvertently killing lucy who is also pregnant so killing <laughs> lucy and his new unborn child oh my which is God. two lives the drama the drama <laughs> the, i want to know what happened between the house fire and the beginning of this movie because seven years have passed because that's how old mock mock is yeah so we like, don't know we've had half burned roman in some state between alive and dead for <laughs> seven years yeah also conceiving children with lucy yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah i <laughs> Clearly, the burns did not cover his entire body. 
<laughs> I need to see a, a, a another movie set in that time period. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then we end up with a pretty run-of-the-mill confrontation between Roman and the survivors. Um, because I mean, I get, what's Roman's? Oh, I think Roman now just is trying to kill more people to bring back Lucy at this point. At the end, right? Oh yeah, and he's just mad. He's just a you know lost his humanity. Yeah, well, yeah, and he also wants his his unborn baby back as well. Um, Mock Mock is threatened horribly in the process by Lucy. That oh, yeah. that that upset me. Poor Mock Mock did not deserve that. That was Mock Mock got, got he cried a lot in this movie. <laughs> that was yeah. I was like, this is fucked. Don't do this to your kid. Although she didn't realize at that time that it was her kid. But then it was actually even more upsetting once they did go that's your kid lady. And she was like trying to embrace him and like comfort him after she had just been like actively choking him out. That was upsetting. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, Roman comes back from the dead, starts menacing, uh, Lenny almost, almost is on the verge of just murking Lenny with a, what is it? He has a big, spike or a piece of wood or something that he's about to stab her with oh yeah and then yeah and then at the last moment and then at the last moment cedric stabs him yeah he has cedric's taken the sword out of like some statue of yeah aries or something (laughs) um but like and 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 that's the thing could there be a statue of aries in a (laughs) catholic church (laughs) i don't know um he is still kind of an asshole. Like I, I was looking for his arc and you know, there's one moment where he's like, steps forward. he's like, he's like, don't kill Lenny, kill me instead to take your goddamn lives or whatever. Yeah. But it's very it, passing and he's just it's kind of forced. A, yeah. He's a jerk from beginning to end. Yeah. And then we have you kind know? of a silly moment in the final scene. Like uh, Lenny is in the hospital recovering. She's like there with Mac, 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 who is signing her, uh, cast and uh cedric is on his way there he's texting her he's like i miss you and then almost immediately after he walks into the hospital it's like why are you texting her you miss her when you're about to see her she's like down the hall tell her you miss her when you see her love patrick no no, but tell her you miss her when you see her when you walk through the door (laughs) he's in the elevator and he just missed her that bad (laughs) just in that 10 seconds (laughs) but then they all turn around and roman and Lucy are looking at them in the hospital. They're still there. And the movie. It's one of those Uh-oh. horror movie endings that I hate, but it's fine, whatever. And it's like, you know that something's gone wrong where you're like, shocking ending is like two normal looking people in the hospital just standing there being like, what's up? Oh, they do not look normal, aren't they? Kind of like, there's some weird makeup on. They look like, they look undead, I would say, uh, from I what remember. I remember. I did really enjoy the makeup effects on Roman. Um, like I said, yeah. I liked how he looked when he was a monster, and then when he's dead and he's coming back to life and starts to look more like a human, but he's still got like the the creepy eye, like yeah, that the evil eye, yeah, yeah, it's, good it's, stuff, yeah, yeah, um, you know, good stuff, good stuff, good good film, enjoyable. This movie kind of reminded me of Pet Cemetery a little bit. Mm, yeah, with all Just the th- resurrection. Yeah, the theme of this guy who's just kind of caught in an endless loop of trying to kill people to bring his loved ones back to life. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't really good, investigate it. 
thematically at all. <laughs> yeah, not really. I mean, I, the, the, the movie's overall point, I mean, this is more or less uh, a faith-based horror film. You know, this, this film bit. definitely wants you to have faith in God. That's, you know, mm-hmm. talked about the, the main Lenny and Rome. I mean, not Lenny, Lucy and Roman's main sin is not having faith in God and not accepting their fate and turning to the devil. The Philippines, as I've experienced it, is a is a pretty um, heavily religious society. Yeah. Wikipedia says eighty eight percent of the population is Christian. Yeah. But I, I went there like you know uh, around New Year's one year, and they were having like Christmas parades. Still, they were they were singing oh, wow. Christmas carols in the streets. Like like Christmas lasts like four weeks, five weeks. Wow. And that might be specific to the the region I was in. Like I said, but. Hmm. Interesting. It was, it, was, it was interesting to be like it's it's January it's December thirtieth or it's you know early January and I'm like being awoken in the morning by like people playing Silent Night <laughs> going down the streets in the caravan. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean the film is not really interested in investigating you know grief and our desire to uh, return to the joyful memories that we had with our deceased loved ones so much as it is telling you to you know believe in jesus and or don't dishonor his teachings maybe not believe in jesus but at least don't make a deal with the devil (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's pog pog nine lives what a film i'll give it another life no actually you know what I'll, i'll 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 give my life up for it i will give one life to Roman so that he only has eight more to go. That's, that's how much I like this movie. Yeah. If I had nine lives, I would, I would give one to Roman too. Sure. He deserves to come back. You know, he, he got a ba- he got some bad luck. No, I, I only have one life and I'll give it to Roman. He can have oh. it. It's fine. <laughs> you just, you're just so tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Roman have it. Get at me. Well, I think it's my turn to pick. Uh, you want to know what I think we're going to watch next time? Uh, what do you think we're going to watch next time? I think... And then I'll let you know if I also think we're going to watch it next time. <laughs> Ooh, there are some good things I could pick, but I am going to pick... Something that's not good? Population 436. What the fuck? What's that? I just saw this in the catalog. The description says, A census taker sent to investigate why Rockwell Falls has had the same population... 436 for more than a century soon wishes he hadn't taken the job huh i'm picking this movie because it is very similar to a movie concept i had which was about a census taker investigating anomalies in some small rural town and discovering that as the population goes down the entries in the uh, annual scarecrow festival go up <laughs> and turns out the townspeople are turning people into scarecrows i could not see that twist coming as you explained that premise <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh so we'll we'll see if i need to sue someone for infringement on my intellectual property when we watch population 436 that'll be in two weeks and with and, all this uh, census taker talk I'll, I'll try mightily to resist any fava beans and a nice chianti jokes yeah, it's uh, it's the census is about to come out, right? So, uh, isn't it already out? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Is it already out? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, that'll be in two weeks. Population four hundred thirty-six. So we'll catch you then. In the meantime, like I said, follow us online. 
reach out to us on social media. Uh, we love to talk to our listeners or write to our listeners. I guess we're talking to you now. <laughs> anyway. Well, that's all we got, I think. So uh, until then, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. And there's no Steven, but he'll be back next time. We See gave, you later. We gave Steven to Roman. <laughs> yeah, we gave him to Roman. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all right. In, in the next two weeks, Patrick and I are going to kill nine people to bring him back. <laughs> so don't worry. He'll be back. <laughs> so until then, have faith in God and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.